0: We have this self-energy inside that is calm and
1: compassionate and confident. That unnameable thing that is
2: that essence of who you truly are. Parts want two things. They want to be acknowledged and appreciated. Sometimes they're throwing bologna sandwiches and juice boxes at (laughs) one another.
3: And sometimes a perfectionist has to go chill out and watch Sybil. We all just have parts.
4: Hi, I'm Laura. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Kim. This is Nikki.
2: And I'm Louise.
4: Hi, and welcome to the Best Parts Podcast, where we invite you to pull up a chair and think about your best parts, which are all your parts. Please be aware that today's episode may contain some adult language and will most likely include adult content. So please keep that in mind if little ones are nearby. Welcome everybody to this episode of the best parts. This is Nikki. And today we are
1: pulling up a chair with emotional healing coach, Karen Locke. In addition to coaching, Karen is an author and a support group leader who tries to live a self-led life using internal family systems ideas. She helps and heals her inner parts through connecting with what IFS calls self energy. She coaches individuals, leads groups, and teaches classes to help others learn to be self-led also. Her book, Self-Compassion Day by Day, offers daily readings to help people practice caring for their inner parts every day. She co-hosts bi-weekly IFS-informed spiritual gatherings where people find inspiration and support through music, readings, and sharing their stories. She's a mother of two as well as a new grandmother helping care for her three-month-old grandson, Wyatt. And she mentioned she's a recovering, with a question mark, workaholic. I know we have some people curious about that. So without further ado, Karen, thank you for pulling up a chair with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So I'd like to start by jumping in that way back machine, and I'm wondering what brought you to the work you're doing now, Karen?
0: Oh, well, pre- pretty much it was a personal journey. I had some trauma in childhood that I just couldn't ever figure out. My My emotions would swing wildly from one to another, and I was having a lot of, issues and relationships. And so I just started it just learning for me, just learning about parts, learning about how I could take care of myself. And then as I learned more about it, it became something like, well, maybe somebody else might be interested in this too. So I just basically started sharing and then I got certified in IFS a few years ago.
1: How did you find IFS?
0: There was a book called How to Love Yourself When You Don't Know How. That was by Jackie Bishop and Mary Grunty. And they talked about parts. And so a friend and I worked through that book and learned about parts, but we didn't know all the things about like there are protective parts, there are exile parts, we didn't know how to heal them. And so it didn't feel resolved. And so started looking around on the internet and found IFS. And actually, I think I went to conferences first, just kind of found out about it through that. And then read books and things like that too.
3: I'm going to guess that there's not a really simple answer to how to love yourself when you don't know how is there? Cause I would love to know the answer to that. <laughs>
1: the quick fix for that,
3: please. There's no, there's no quick fix, right, Karen? There's a lot of work behind that.
1: Right.
0: But basically it does start with finding out that there are parts of you and you can love them. And as each one that you include in your circle of compassion of helps your self compassion get bigger.
3: I love self compassion. I just wrote it down. Or, cir- I'm sorry, circle of compassion. I, I can imagine that. So, can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, I think actually the first things I worked with were parts of myself that were like a striving part that felt like I had to be perfect at work. And obviously, that was impossible. So, that part was always really disappointed. <laughs> And so the first thing about loving myself then was recognizing that wasn't all of me and recognizing that I can help that part learn about the actual world instead of the world that it is imagining that I could be perfect and I could love it even if I was making mistakes. And so that was kind of a first step. And then I found parts that were disappointed with other things or judging me. It it helped me to learn about the parts that were judging and saying I didn't work hard enough or I didn't do this well enough or things like that. And so gradually, as I found more and more of those parts and helped them and loved them, the circle got bigger.
4: Karen, we've had this talk before about when our parts show up. So I was introduced to parts, I don't know, fifth. 15-ish years ago, just before I went through a divorce. And it was fascinating for me when I started recognizing all of the different parts. They would come together around a conference table and there are others that they're on school buses and other things. And I'm, I'm just curious how, when you first started being introduced to your parts, how did they show up for you?
0: Well, that book had you start with noticing places in your body where you felt them. So that was actually what I started with, just touching, like if it was, if I had butterflies in my stomach, I would touch that part of my stomach. And then I would kind of, notice anything else if i got an image of the part or if it was saying something to me and then a lot of times i would write that i've done a lot of my work with parts through journaling and writing and i also use the artist's way practice uh-huh. of daily writings three pages every day because it felt like that would get more voices in the room that would enable me to hear more ideas and more different viewpoints and so those were kind of how
4: i started I love that there's no wrong way to do this. Yes, for sure.
2: I think oftentimes when we talk about the parts of us and hearing different parts of us, that different parts of us have different goals and different intentions, and we're not really quite sure of... what that might be. But I think there's a lot of, I want to say stigma, but maybe it's almost like a misunderstanding that all of these parts really have the best intentions for ourselves. And it's really about uncovering and understanding what those intentions may be. Yeah,
0: for sure. And the parts I was talking about, my striver part that really wanted to just make big leaps and do wonderful things, had the best intentions, partly because of my mom it learned how to do that when my mom was dissatisfied with things including when i was graduating from high school i was only 11th in my class so i didn't make the top 10 and that wasn't good enough and so this striver part learned oh you have to be better than good you have to be super and so that part then was trying to keep me out of trouble and keep me in my mom's good graces and so yep, yeah, parts learn those things and then we can educate them and say you know what that person isn't here anymore or not in charge of me anymore and I don't need to impress those people anymore so we can relax a little bit but for sure they all had different roles and they learned things through experience in our lives.
2: I do some work through NLP and I often think of my parts are always kids on a school bus. Sometimes they're throwing bologna sandwiches and juice boxes at (laughs) one another. And sometimes they're all singing the wheels on the bus. So it, it has its moments, but oftentimes uh, I think of parts too, as an orchestra where each part has its role to play. And if one part is, you know, not uh, in tune or is not following the same sheet music, it, it doesn't always feel fantastic. It doesn't always help us get that finished piece of music out in a way that we really want to.
0: Right. And in that case, there are a couple choices. One is to try to shut up the part that's playing the different music. But the other one is to try to listen and see what it feels like, why it felt like it needed to play that music at that time. And In different situations, one would choose different things. And so if I'm in a professional meeting and I have a part that really wants to just yell something or do something crazy, it's like, okay, maybe not now, but maybe I'll listen. I will listen to you later, I promise. And then if I'm alone, then I can listen to those parts that say, you know what, this is a really boring meeting and we need to be someplace else. (laughs) And so, yeah, so depending on what the situation is, there are remedies for that.
1: Absolutely. I had that happen today. I stopped to get a tea and there was two spots or what appeared to be two stop- spots open in front of the coffee shop and this let's say high end vehicle decided to park in the middle of both spots and it was that part that came up that wanted to just knock on the window and say what the fuck. <laughs> 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 yeah. And, and another part that when you we were inside that wanted to say to the lady in there, because there was two people, one stayed in the car, one went inside and I wanted to say to the lady in there, what were you thinking? And then the third part of me that said, is it really worth opening up this can of worms? But to be able to see them as all different parts, trying to take care of me in some way. Right. For sure. It's a different perspective than I'm just an <laughs> asshole. I wanted to be a jerk and I bit my tongue. It's a total mind shift of accepting what's going on.
0: For sure. Yes. One of my first memories of parts is I was in actually before at the very beginning, I started out in a, in a group studying psychosynthesis, which was a form of psychology that started around the same time as Jung and Freud. And somebody in my class in psychosynthesis came in one week and she said, I was at work and I felt this jealousy come up about a, a coworker. And then I wondered, whoa, I wonder what part is jealous. And To me, that was like a revelation because first of all, I know I'm not supposed to be jealous. So I would just shove that feeling down. I wouldn't even notice it. And then to think that it could be okay to notice and to pay attention and see what that part might need were just like two revelations. And I still remember that because it was wonderful and relieving. It's like, oh, I can have those feelings that I thought I wasn't supposed
1: to have. For me, when those things come up, It's all about the information. When I'm having emotions, it's what is this trying to tell me? What am I trying to learn here? And to have different language or different way of looking at it as what is this part here for? Part of what I really enjoy about parts work and having been around Laura so much and hearing a lot about it, the appreciation I have is the language that it gives you to address these kinds of things. Because sometimes when you're feeling things, it can get so overwhelming that to try to understand it can be complicated.
0: Yeah. When I had that friend and we were working through that book, he told me that I should have a 900 number because (laughs) it was so hard for him to find anybody that he could talk parts language with. (laughs) And he's like, you can make money. if You can talk like this with people and because nobody else would listen to it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. How often do you, Karen, do you run into the concerns that people have that, oh my gosh, does this make me crazy? I mean, am I Sybil? I, I get that a lot. I yeah, if wondering if you yeah, yeah. about that.
0: Yeah, fashionally, sometimes parts come up with memories the person doesn't have consciously. And it's like, are you sure this happened? Are we sure that this is all true? And for me, it's partly about just trusting because I've been here a long time. I've been doing it a long time and I don't think I'm looking crazy. <laughs> so, so just maybe even just noticing and saying, yep, it totally could sound crazy depending on who you said it to and what situation you set it in. You know, so we also want to protect ourselves and be careful who we talk to and how we say
5: things. I'll even go a step further just to geek out a little bit on parts work here and say the founder, Richard Swartz, believes that everybody is multiple. And what now is DID, which is a dissociative identity disorder, that what happens in those situations is that self is so far underground or quote gone, even though we know that it's not really gone, but so far removed that all of these parts have become so extreme. They actually do believe that they are separate. When my alarm goes off in the morning, there's always a cacophony in my head. Like, no, I don't want to get up. And like, come on, let's get up. We got things to do, 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 do. And, you know, there's always a part of me wants to get out of bed and a part of me wants to snuggle down and just stay here all day. So I I think one of the things that makes this model so accessible is that there are a lot of cases that people can identify with. There's lots of times we're torn about, should I watch another episode of the series I'm binge watching on Netflix or should I get up and cook dinner? So I think that's one thing that makes this model accessible is that a a lot of people get it.
0: Yeah. For a long time, I covered my TV up actually with a cloth. I used to teach school full time and I was kind of torn between, I wanted to be an open school person and so I had that pulling me and then I was professionally, I was a learning disabilities teacher. I had this kind of a work dilemma or crisis where the two parts of me were just splitting off and I was working in both directions and I was just too much. And so it occurred to me that working actually could be a problem. (laughs) That could be, and I knew some people in 12 steps and I was like, well, this could be my 12 steps. So I actually joined a Workaholics Anonymous group. And one of the things i learned there is I think a lot of people in change groups are trying to change the world. And that was mine. I was trying to change education. It seemed like it was going so horribly. And so I really felt like I needed to do this. So I was like, I had this driven feeling inside. And then I also had a very big disappointed feeling inside because I couldn't. I used to say that trying to change education felt like being a cell in the body of a whale, trying to change the direction of the whale. So It didn't work very well. So the, I realized that I had to disidentify from the parts of me that were feeling like that was My life. And if I didn't change education, I was not okay as a person. And so I started going to Workaholics Anonymous. And it was a great place to be encouraged not to have those parts be in charge. And they didn't necessarily talk about it as parts, but they talked about it as trying to be healthier in ourselves, trying to have balance in our lives. And one of the tools was if you're going to take on an extra job, you have to get rid of something of equal effort and you'll have to try to do only one thing at a time. And all these things that are just like foreign to me. So it was really helpful for me just to realize that was a part of me. It wasn't something that I absolutely needed to do in order to live. It was something that I could choose to do in a balanced way. So that was really helpful.
5: What do you think about IFS and how it fits with somebody in recovery of any of the 12 steps? And how did you pivot out of your education role into your coach role?
0: Well, so recovery, it seems to me that people actually in my Workaholics Anonymous group would say, my workaholic does this. So they were kind of labeling a part. And I think a lot of times in, in AA, people will say my alcoholic part or my alcoholic will do this. And so that it was the helpful part of 12 Steps and having a support group, having people kind of be on my side, because most of the world is workaholic in some ways, or it has been anyway in the past, and encouraging you to take on more hours, more duties more everything and so there was that but then it also had the whole disease thing and i have this disease which in some ways made me feel really hopeless because if i have this disease and especially around working because i had to do it to make money and so that didn't feel very good and so i eventually left but but i think it can be helpful and i think there are ways that people can rephrase things that helps them
5: So I'm actually an alcoholic or I have an alcoholic part and I am an AA and I struggle with some of the, the vernacular, the language, calling it character defects to me, parts. One of the, I was talking to my IFS therapist about this and we were discussing how accessible AA is and how beneficial and powerful it's been in so many people's lives. But there are some people like me who find the languaging difficult the higher power I struggle with a little bit. But what I've found was I had a lot of fear, particularly around the alcohol. And that's how I met Karen is she became my IFS practitioner for a while. And so I'm starting to explore the alcohol part from an IFS perspective, just to see how does that go? I mean, I'm still in AA. I'm learning how they try to integrate them both. Yeah, well, good for you.
0: Yeah, and my guess would be that it feels more like it could be a bigger problem in your life, right? If it actually takes over, it could cause a lot of things to go wrong. <laughs> I like I mean, and actually workaholism when we were looking at that, I mean, there are actually people that it has killed because they have overworked and overstressed and all of those things. And so it does contribute, but I'm sure that partly could be consequences anyway. And maybe just your experience of it too.
3: just starting to learn about parts work because i just met laura (laughs) i didn't know about this before and i really love what you were just talking about there's a workaholic part or like laura talking about there's an alcoholic part where sometimes we identify that that's us if you're a recovering alcoholic well you're seen as just an alcoholic that's just who you are not just a part and I love that because I wouldn't say I'm a workaholic to the extent that you've described, but I love to work and I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And I know that's my fear pattern and all of that. But I to just say there's a perfectionist part of me feels right. so much better than saying I'm a perfectionist because there's a negative thing around that. And so sure. I just had this aha uh-huh moment where I'm like, <laughs> it's just part of me. And sometimes a perfectionist has to go chill out and watch Sybil on the couch, <laughs> right? yeah I I just I love that and just a question and maybe you've already answered this but when you feel like one of those parts is taking over what do you do I'm, I'm really curious about like when my perfectionist part is taking over what do I do
0: yeah well the first thing I do is breathe just slow things down a bit so just breathe and notice maybe even notice my body where in my body am I feeling something and then I can put my hand there, just notice, I wonder what that part might be worried about or what came up just now that's bringing this part some distress and just trying to notice in the moment what's happening and and then just being there for that part and just remembering that I'm an adult, that this part maybe thinks I'm a child or maybe thinks my mom's going to come in any minute. So maybe just breathing and letting my part know, you know what, I got this. And I don't have to be perfect right now. And we can talk later (laughs) or something, you know, if I'm in the middle of something, but yeah, just breathing and slowing things down and noticing is kind of a first step, at least for me.
1: That power of being seen. It's not just like, I see you, it's the seeing yourself as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then realizing that we do have the inner, so we haven't talked at all about self, but there is what Dick. Schwartz discovered is that we have this self-energy inside that is calm and compassionate and confident and curious and creative and all of those things. And so if I breathe, then I can access some of those qualities. And that really helps in relating to parts. And I've gotten better at that over the years, but there's still our Situations like when I'm going to be interviewed in a podcast, <laughs> that I have to take some extra steps and say, okay, folks, you know, this is going to happen
1: and the parts don't need to participate. You guys can relax. I'll do it. Well, and my yogi brain or my yogi part, and just with the meditative state about getting to the true self, getting to that true essence, That's an ancient practice to have that core, that nugget, that unnameable thing that is that essence of who you truly are. Right. And in my experience, my
0: feeling, and that's kind of what Dick said too, is that when the other parts can step back, you can feel that better. And then you can use that energy to feel towards the part that's worried, that's a perfectionist or towards the parts that are worried, I'm going to say something wrong or help them. So it's in some ways, for me, it's easiest to find that self energy if I'm trying to help a part. than if I just think, oh, now I'm going to have self energy (laughs) for no reason, you know, if there's a reason, sometimes
1: it's easier for me to do that. I just kind of had an aha moment about these parts. And that, Ultimately, they are trying to serve a purpose for you and with you and within you. And it's that true essence, that kind of a thing. And it is meeting with, I'm going to say conditioned, you're more conditioning or more habit or things that you have learned through your growing up process in life it's still unpacking in my brain, but this has opened a new curiosity level for me. So I really appreciate that. Oh,
0: cool. I'm glad. So in my book, I try to think of different things each day to to watch for, or to pay attention to. And what you just said is kind of this, I have a little, or have a paragraph, if it'd be okay if I read it. Yes, okay. please do. <laughs> yeah. So here's what that day, part of what that day said. So just for today, we try to embrace an openness to what's happening right now. Our parts want to interpret events through the lens of the past. This reminds me of, or watch out, he sounds just like. When we listen to these parts and we may even agree that it does seem like past situations but we also can remember this is a totally new moment. We have never been here with precisely these parts in this condition. Our inner family has grown and changed since that happened. Growth and change are the only constants in this world. After we acknowledge what this reminds us of, we might even count the things that are different, how we feel, our parts growth, our inner sense of beingness. Today we can notice the similarities and differences in our lives and appreciate them all.
3: I'm sitting here in appreciation.
0: Good, yeah, so just, yeah, because our parts tend to be the ones that flip back all the time to, you know, oops, this situation reminds me of this and now I have to be watchful or I have to be this or I have to be that. And it's like, no, if we can breathe and remind them, nope, this isn't exactly that. And now we have a self here that can help us too.
2: I hear so often how we talk about, we've never been in a time like this before, right? right? And with the world events and all the crazy and interesting things that are going on right now in the world. But I think when we really boil it down, it's like this moment, always, this moment, this present moment has never happened before. For sure. Right? And, and, yeah. I, and we get caught up in that, I think, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, our world, our, our humdrum world has stopped. And now we're not sure. Our parts kind of are used to all that until now they're not sure. But that can give us a chance to lead from self instead of the parts if they trust us and will listen to us.
5: Yeah, reflecting on that reading, you're absolutely right. There is the moment we're in, regardless of if it's 2020 or 2018, we were never there before. One of the things I have my clients do is when we're in an update process, which I know Karen and Kim are very familiar with, and I just ask my clients to update any part we're updating About COVID, just because our parts have no idea. They, I mean, this unless they lived through the 1918 influenza, parts would have no way of knowing that this was happening. Oh, interesting. I think a a lot of times that helps, particularly where people are coming because they're in acute discomfort right now because of what's happening in the world. It's been very beneficial.
0: Yeah, interesting. So I also have young parts that are really scared about COVID and I've actually had two nightmares over the last week. (laughs) I'm trapped in it and they're both in IFS conferences. So I don't know exactly what all that's about, but conferences with no masks and I can't get out and all this stuff. And so I also update them on what I am doing to keep myself safe and how even if I get sick, this is what I will do because sometimes that's helpful too. It's like, you know, yep, it can be scary. And I get that. And these are the things that I'm planning for if anything happens. And because yeah, young parts can also panic and go the other direction too.
4: So Karen, listening to you say that, I'm really curious on how working with your parts have helped you, or if it's helped you see other people maybe their humanity a little bit more because the recognition that we all just have parts.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I was in a training a couple of years ago that I was helping do the training and there were people in the class that were almost yelling. They were so upset and they were in my group. And so I had to try and figure out. And one of the things was to just kind of relate to the person in whatever way I could. And that person at one point was talking about feeling scapegoated. And I didn't necessarily agree that she had in the class been scapegoated, but I could certainly understand that feeling. And I said that out loud and the whole group just got silent because suddenly instead of arguing about facts, we were also we were all kind of relating to, Oh yeah, there is that feeling.
1: It's like you saw everybody in the room at the same time and they all got to feel seen. Right. So they could stop yeah. screaming to be heard. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that really was
0: kind of a turning point then in that meeting. Cause then suddenly somebody else chimed in and said, oh yeah, that's happened to me too. And suddenly we all had a commonality rather than a disagreement about viewpoints.
4: Yeah. I, I find it such a, a beautiful entry point to being able to see the humanity in others and to diffuse situations like that. So thank you for sharing that with all of us. That was really beautiful.
3: Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, earlier Laura had said we might not all have the language for this, and she's totally right. This is so new to me, and when you're describing it, it it feels not new. Like I understand these concepts, I just didn't have words to put to it, right? And so I'm like, oh, I I do that. I just didn't realize what the hell I was doing. So that's what's really cool about this education that I've learned through parts work is I actually have a lot of knowledge of it. I just didn't know the language and the lingo and and How we can make this work in our own world. So I'm just kind of curious if anyone has any thoughts on that about how you're using it in your own lives right now and how that might benefit others. I don't know parts work, but I'm
1: (laughs) like you're. It made me go. Once you understand it and have language to put to it, then you can use it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for me, right from the beginning, then
0: it helped me take a breath and realize that I don't have to have all the answers. Too there's parts of me that think they have to have all the answers and they're wrong. And even just that just kind of helps the humility and helps the I can only do what I can do feeling and just all of those things kind of be more relaxed about life.
5: Well, I'm a talker. And so I do a lot of talking to my parts and I'll just give you guys a real quick example. This week, I had a bunch of what I called, di- I called them the dithering parts. I ran out of food for breakfast and a part was like, run back behind. My parents live behind me on our property. Run back there and see if they've got some fruit. Another part was like, oh, your schedule's kind of light this morning. Maybe you could just get to the grocery store. Another part was like, your husband's retired. Why do you have to go to the grocery store? You have two jobs. <laughs> and- and I stood there kind of like flummoxed. I wasn't really sure. And I was like, oh my, and I said this out loud, I was like, oh my God, I hate these dithering parts. And then immediately I went, oh, well, hello, hating the dithering parts part, <laughs> because I know self, so that core of me, would not hate any of my parts. And so what I often do is I once I recognize that my parts are active. I actually acknowledge them. Parts want two things. They want to be acknowledged and appreciated. And if I can do those two things, quite often they will relax and I can get enough self-energy so that then I can make the decisions about what to do. So often acknowledging the parts and appreciating them. And back to, I think Nikki, you said having them be seen, they can relax and they realize they're not alone. They realize that they don't have to do it all on their own.
3: And Laura, what both you and Karen have said before, you've talked about your true self, that sounds like a way to get back to that true self of calm, compassionate, curious, mm-hmm. creative. And it's like you said, your parts hated something, but your true self doesn't. And so just by acknowledging that they're there, that sounds like a great way to get back to the true self, which I, I just find that to be beautiful. I'm going to start talking to my parts more. All I right.
4: Think a good idea, right? <laughs>
3: It's pretty powerful,
4: Sarah.
1: All right. So Karen, what do you have going on right now that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh,
0: (laughs) a few things. So I actually, my newest thing that I haven't started yet, I'm planning to do a beginner's class kind of applying IFS in our world. How do you unblend? How do you find, how do you recognize parts when you don't really want to have that feeling? Things like that and a lot of experiential. I think that's going to start on Saturday afternoons in a couple of weeks. And I have a every other week Sunday morning spiritual gathering that we do music and readings and sharing with each other, but just kind of for inspiration and for support for each other. And so that's available. I have a couple Facebook groups. One is from my book and I actually post daily. I post the reading for that day. And so people can comment and share and they can get it there or else the book is available on Amazon, Self-Compassion Day by Day. I also have a Facebook group called Compassionate Self-Leadership that is about Learning about IFS and then supporting each other. And we have a Monday night support group on Zoom. And so that's available too. So I have a lot of different things going on. And it's all available through my link, through my website, which is emotionalhealingcoach.org. Awesome.
1: Time for everybody's favorite thing. We call this the lightning round, but there's as much space to answer as you like. Laura, are all you right. ready?
5: <laughs> We're ready for the lightning round. There we go. Okay. So Karen, we have five questions for you. Okay. So first question is, what is the best part of being on a podcast? Uh, Finding
0: out things I didn't know I knew. (laughs) And also (laughs) hearing what other people know. Sometimes talking about things is the best way to hear. Oh yeah, I guess I do believe that. Or I guess I do remember that. Yeah. Kind of the whole reviewing of your life too is kind of interesting
5: so it sounds like you unpacked a few things as well
0: yes for sure
5: okay so i consider myself a minnesotan nikki is from minnesota and you're from minnesota so what is the best part not in 2020 but in other years what is the best part of the minnesota state fair oh let me see kind of hit me in the heart with that
1: question (laughs) laura
0: I kind of like being up high. So I like the sky ride. It's really quiet and you can go across the fair and then all the, the Ferris reels or the twirly around ride where you kind of are in like a swing. I like those.
1: Oh, cool. The sky glider. It was weird being there and not having any chairs on the
5: sky glider. It was just kind of sitting. So oh, that's <laughs> yes. very sad. Yes, it was. All right. Question three. What is the best part of a Minnesota winter?
0: oh my glistening snow it can be very pretty and if it's not too cold it can be kind of fun to walk out in it and see you can see farther because there's not all the leaves so those things
5: okay so I'm gonna list for question number four I'm gonna break protocol here I'm gonna list four fun Minnesota institutes and you tell me which one's your favorite the largest ball of twine, the Paul Bunyan statutes that are everywhere, the Spam Museum, or the Butterheads at the Minnesota State Fair?
0: Oh, I think Paul Bunyan's because I just remember seeing them, especially when I was a kid, and they were so big, and it was so cool to just be, to have your picture taken by them and stuff like that. So I think that
2: great i want to answer
1: this too because i love the butterheads
2: i was gonna say what the heck is a butterhead i'm so glad (laughs) you asked
1: (laughs) everybody pause and consider what you already thought that meant
4: but wait did you say the jolly green giant And what about the cherry? Cuz that's in it Minnesota is. too. A Minneapolis
3: cherry.
5: It is and that's in Minneapolis
3: what? The cherry in Minneapolis oh, too. Oh yeah. On the so
5: many great things okay. about- there. are so many great things in Minneapolis or in Minnesota. I loved and a, it there. okay
0: I live really close to Minnehaha Falls, so I have to mention that too.
1: Go to ExploreMinnesota.com for more information on tourism in the state of Minnesota. We'll
2: we'll put that link in the show notes. Um, (laughs) Not a sponsor, just just a good sponsor. Okay, Butterhead, what is that? Get back to these important questions. It sounds sounds like you were addressing her as Butterhead.
1: (laughs) wants
0: to take that uh, I totally I think can. one of you should because I really not, I mean I know that it exists but I haven't really spent much time there observing it or anything
1: so at the Minnesota State Fair we have Princess K of the Milky Way and I'm not going to say the organization it's tied to because I'm not hundred percent sure it's with the dairy farmers. I want to call it the dairy farmers association, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. And so we have princess K of the Milky Way and her court. And part of what they do at the fair is they have these huge blocks of butter in a cooler and an artisan carves the princess K's of the Milky Way in these butterheads. And so as the fair goes on, each chunk of butter is uncovered as the princess and they go and they sit and it's one of the activities at the fair and i don't feel like i'm giving it the (laughs) fun sounding that it is because it's interesting to watch people carve butter into shapes it's like the winter carnival with the ice sculptures it's just it's very entertaining okay
4: interesting that's exactly how you should describe it it's it's like the (laughs) ice sculptures yeah but with butter
5: and less less (laughs) chainsawing less chainsaws True. When I moved we'll there, be posting I a picture late. on
3: our social media. Yeah, guys. I'll I've go we'll go find, it find a picture.
5: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it. it's indescribable. Indescribable. Okay, last question. Karen, what is the best part of being a new grandmother?
0: Ooh, holding the grandbaby.
5: <laughs> Especially if he's not
0: crying or screaming but just yeah just holding him especially the it was funny especially the first time like I was there when they brought him home from the hospital or shortly thereafter and I almost couldn't let him go physically I was just like I I don't think I can do it I just have to hold him so it's gotten more usual so but yes just holding him and rocking him and being there for them
1: has been wonderful
5: well that was it you survived the lightning round back to Nikki
1: Karen, thank you so much for pulling up a chair with us today. It has been so lovely having you on the show.
5: Well,
0: thank you very much. And I, 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 the one other thing that I, you guys asked me what was the best part of being a podcast. So the other thing was people had said things like, oh, I'm having a revelation. <laughs> like That's another best thing. So thank yeah. you for
1: listening and being so interested. It felt good. Thank you, Karen. Listeners, thank you for pulling up a chair and joining our conversation. We see you. We love
4: you. And until next time, remember all the parts are the best parts. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the best parts podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would love it. If you would share this podcast on social media or with anyone you think would enjoy it after all sharing is caring and be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts as it helps others find us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at the Best Parts Podcast or visit our website at thebestpartspodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember that all the parts are the best parts.